So today, as Matt has already told you, our youth service is based on the idea of do not be afraid. And I want to talk to you about the idea of fear itself. So fear, I'm sure it's a feeling that every one of us has experienced and is probably quite used to. It's a basic human trait and something that unfortunately we just have to deal with. And I see that there are two roots of our fear, two main categories it can be put into. Global fear, the major things in our world that are scary and that hit the headlines. And the more personal fear, the more intimate, more private fears that can affect our day-to-day -day lives. But before I go into any more detail about that, I want to look at someone in the nativity story who I think had a lot of fear, and in my opinion, with good reason. Mary. Now, because I am my father's son, I'm going to give a bit of history and context about the time that Mary was living in. <laughs> to get a sense of the global fear that she experienced back then. So she was living in a country oppressed by the rule of Rome. What they said went, and they were ruled by a man thousands of miles away. Uh, heavy taxation was a great fear, along with the fact that, simply put, these people weren't particularly nice. So she would have lived in fear of these things, which I think is something we can sort of relate to in our world today. As I'm sure we're all painfully aware, we have plenty of things to be afraid of in our world. ISIS are terrorizing the globe, and nobody can quite predict what's going to happen next. The state of our planet and of nature is under threat, with issues like global warming and climate change very prevalent. And of course, the threat of nuclear war from Donald Trump and Kim Jong-un, which a few years ago would have seemed almost laughable, the idea of World War III, but now has become a very real threat. Suddenly, our situation doesn't look too dissimilar from Mary's. All these things could have devastating effects, and whether we admit it or not, we are afraid. However, we have a slight difference to Mary. There was no BBC Breakfast, Phil or Holly, Facebook, Twitter and Snapchat back in her day. Our fears are not helped by the media that we see every day. They thrive off our fear, using terrifying facts, figures, pictures and headlines to, make, to exaggerate our fear, making us even more afraid. But it's all because we buy into it. That fear that we feel is what makes us pick up that paper with the big headline on the front what makes us turn the page or click on that Facebook link. And I can't speak for everyone, but I find myself buying into it too. We are, have so much fear and darkness thrown into our faces, it's hard not to look out into the world and just be afraid, scared of what we see. But just like Mary, I think we're told something by God. Luke 1, verse around 26, do not be afraid. It's become almost a cliche, hasn't it? Don't be afraid, for God is with you. We have it drilled into us so much that we've, the words have almost lost their true, incredible meaning. And because of this, when we look out into the world, those words stay as merely that. Just words, and it doesn't help. We're still afraid. But when we start to feel this hopelessness and feel like these words aren't giving us like solitude, and whenever it just isn't working, I think there's something we need to remember. 
our God created the whole universe. He's brought the slaves out of Egypt, saved a man's life in a lion's den, and brought the walls of a great city to rubble. He is quite simply incredible. Yet we still look out at the world afraid, which almost seems comical, doesn't it, when we phrase it like that? Because he is all-powerful. And I think those words that that angel said could have been the words Mary and all the people in that time really needed to hear. Do not be afraid of the global fears because your incredible Lord is with you. But in that moment in the Christmas story, I think Mary had a lot more things on her mind than the state of her country. She had a mountain load of personal fears weighing down on her. Now, apart from the flipping big blinding angel that had just suddenly appeared in front of her, she probably had some fears in her heart which were much more crippling, much more scary, and which we can still feel in some sense today. She probably firstly thought, why me? A young woman with no real power, authority, or position. Nothing special, living in a basic little town. Uh, being told to carry a baby that would be a king, the salvation of the whole world. I think she would have had a little bit of fear, thinking I might not be good enough. Or maybe she was more scared of other people's opinions. She was going to get pregnant without being married. That's the long and short of it, regardless of whoever the baby was. And the people in that time wouldn't have cared. An unmarried lady with a baby bump is still an unmarried lady with a baby bump. And they weren't too respectful of that at the time. Or finally, she could have simply been afraid of the future. After all, this was her first baby, and it's going to be the king of kings. It's not exactly going to be the most comforting of thoughts. What will she have to do? Is there, how does she do it? What does the future hold? And like Mary, I think these fears can affect all of our lives too. Insignificance, other people's opinions, the future, not knowing what's going to happen next. But why? Yet again, there are many aspects of God that have thrown around so much, we almost forget just how incredible they really are. And that with them, we have no need to fear our personal fears. God made us and loves us unconditionally. There's nothing you can do to make God love you more and nothing you can do to make him love you any less. There's no need to be scared of being insignificant because whether we remember it or not, we are always significant to God and he is proud of us. So what do earthly opinions matter? That person sitting at the next desk, that person you hear at school, the people who are giving you weird eyes across the road. If the creator of the whole universe is proud to make you and says you're fearfully and wonderfully made, what do all of that matter? And the future. God had plans for Mary, just like he has plans for all of us, to prosper and not to harm just want to let them words sink in a bit, because like a lot of things we hear in church, it's thrown around a lot, and we almost lose the incredible meaning of what that is. Prospering, not harming. So why are we afraid? He'll provide for us and make sure that we're safe, even when we don't know what's lying ahead. We don't need to be scared, because God's got it under control. 
prosper and not to harm. But what I'm going to leave you with today is going to completely contradict everything I've just spent the past few minutes talking about. As amazing as all of this sounds, not being afraid because we have God of our earthly fears, our personal fears, in a big, wide, scary world, in our day-to-day lives, it just doesn't work, does it? Because if it did, we'd never be afraid, which, let's be honest, is a bit too unrealistic, isn't it? And that's okay. In John 1, verse 5, it says, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. When reading this, what I noticed is that God never says to run or to hide from the darkness. He says to be in it. Because he knows how we are scared, even with all this amazing knowledge of how incredible he is. Fear will continue. But my challenge for you today is to be okay with being afraid. Be scared, but realize fear is no match for God. And however scared we get, however dark it may become, God will still be God. And we don't have to live in fear. There's no need to be afraid because God is the light that shines in the darkness and our earthly fears can never overcome him. Thank you. So I've come to a point in my walk with God where I'm asking a lot of questions, challenging my perception of faith and what it is and what it really truly means to be a Christian. And one such question has arisen from the fact that when I think about it, and don't misunderstand me here, I love coming to church. It's amazing to come here every Sunday, meet with such amazing people with so many different stories, to come and worship our God, the Creator God. But sometimes at about one o'clock on a Sunday afternoon. I'll look back and notice that in speaking with these friends that I haven't seen for the last week or and drinking tea at the expense of the youth budget, I've actually forgotten what it's all about. I've come to the end of Sunday without actually meeting God. And when I think about it, I haven't forgotten. I've done this deliberately. To put it in perspective, It's as though I've accepted an invitation to dine with a good friend, and I turn up and have an excellent time at the expense of my host, while going to every effort to avoid him, even neglecting to acknowledge his welcome. And put like that, it sounds completely absurd. It just sounds ridiculous. And that's because it is. The question, I suppose, is why anybody, myself included, knowing of the generosity and goodwill nature of their host would just do that. They would not only not seek him, but consciously avoid him. As Christians, we acknowledge that all that is good is from God, that God is good. So why, when we hear him call our names, do some of us just completely shut up shop, just slam the door in his face and say, no, thank you, not today? And the more I think about it, the more I realize that this is because we are afraid, ashamed of our nakedness before God, afraid to encounter him. And I suppose, in our defense, it's not the most irrational of fears, is it? After all, this is the God who not only created all that is, but spoke it into being. Simply spoke it. This is the God whose mere servants strike fear into the hearts of grown men. This is the God, the King of kings and Lord of lords, the Alpha and the Omega, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty, 
But most importantly, this is the God who gave his only son that we might experience his unfailing love for us, that we might come to know him, to encounter him. For though God is to be feared, his authority is absolute. He's a fair and just king who calls us by our names to encounter him. Yet, the more I say it, the more encounter feels like the wrong word, too cold, too devoid of emotion, too hostile. I prefer to think of it as an acceptance of an invitation, of welcome from the most amazing being of all, who wants for nothing more than to be with his creation, for us to be with him. We do have to accept the invitation, though, which is often the most frightening part. Yet it is written, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. If we truly believe these words, that all in God's plans is indeed to prosper us and not to harm us, then what on earth can we be afraid of? Surely it's more frightening a prospect not to answer this call and to suffer without the guidance of our Lord. So if there are still some of you among you who might be hiding from God like I have done, and I probably still am doing in some ways, and I should change that, it needs to change. And I'd like to challenge you to answer that call, to seek your father as he seeks his lost son or daughter. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. And I tell you, the door will not only be opened, but you'll be received by the warm embrace of a father, our heavenly father, receiving his lost child, once lost, now found. Do not be afraid. And if you still feel unworthy, undeserving, as though this invitation were meant for somebody other than you, I tell you, he calls your name. This invitation is yours to accept. So, get over yourself, I suppose. I'm going to be talking about the fear of expressing your faith. Uh, when we meet God, it can make a change in our lives. And when we encounter God, it always sparks a change in the way we behave and treat others. Expressing your faith, in my opinion, can be seen as the ways you worship and think of God. Because I'm sure when you encounter God, it will change your life and the ways you think of him. It also isn't just about the ways you think of God. It's, it's the ways you act around others because they might notice how you act differently and don't join in with the things you know are wrong because you know that wouldn't be pleasing to God. And if you're always just being nice to everyone and you don't act judgmental around them, they'll know. I think some people struggle with expressing their faith after encountering God because some younger people might think that encountering God means that you would meet him face to face. And for that, you need to have really strong faith because you might encounter him in a way you didn't expect. Because not everybody will encounter God face to face now. So you should always behave in the right way and have enough faith to know that God is here and to let him lead you and guide you through your life. Some people struggle with expressing their faith after meeting with God because they are too worried about what others might think of what they believe. Maybe it's because they'll be persecuted 
kicked out of their families or maybe even killed as it happens in other countries. But there are reasons that are more relevant to us, like wanting to blend in, the fear of losing your friends and the worry about what other people might think of us. They might think that we're weird. Because of these, other re because of these and other reasons, lots of people instead just hide their faith and don't live fully up to God's expectations. I've heard that Phil talked about how when people encounter God, it's either like a, a firework experience, which changes their life in a spectacular way, whilst for others, it's more like a flower experience. For example, someone growing up in a Christian home and getting to know Jesus throughout their, through their home and church experience. For me, I'd say that my encounter with God was more like a flower experience because like flowers grow, my faith is still growing, becoming stronger. How have I expressed my faith? For me personally, I found it a little hard expressing my faith all of the time. I will say that if I meet someone for the first time, I wouldn't tell them all about my faith straight away. But if, some, but if anyone asks, I wouldn't be pressured or embarrassed to tell them. I don't feel scared of what others might think of me, and everyone in my class knows I'm Christian, and no one judges or makes fun of me. What I find helps me to express my faith is reading my Bible, because God can do anything and everything, and after all, I'm not a Christian for anyone else except for God. So hopefully after listening, you won't be afraid to express your faith, because God is always with you. And if you're feeling afraid, it says in Isaiah 41, verses 10, So do not be afraid, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you in my righteous right hand. So with whatever you do, and wherever you are, don't be afraid to be different, because being different isn't always a bad thing. And in the end, you aren't living for anyone except from God. Thank you.